0: And now, it's time to get to work.
1: All right, Ian, well, we're going to get this out of the way at the start. Obviously, in the news today, uh, Tuesday, November 3rd, uh, John Elway and Joe Ellis both tested positive for coronavirus. Um, Obviously, that's kind of the big news, but it doesn't really have much to do with the football game. So really, all we want to do is just acknowledge that we know that it happened. Uh, It's clearly something that the Broncos are going to deal with uh, as, a, as an organization, as a franchise, and, and so hopefully they can do all of that and not have any, any problems moving forward, uh, and hopefully everybody stays healthy and safe, and that's that's really all we want to talk about there. That being said, it's week eight, it's Falcons week. Uh, let's, let's go ahead and get into actually previewing the Denver Broncos and their upcoming football game.
0: Before we get into that, I did want to read the statement from the Broncos um, on Joe Ellis and John Elway testing positive for COVID-19. After not feeling 100% on Sunday morning, Joe promptly reported his symptoms to our medical team and watched Sunday's game at home as a precaution. He continued to work from home on Monday before receiving a positive test this morning, meaning Tuesday. John immediately left UC Health Training Center on Monday morning after experiencing minor symptoms that he quickly brought to the attention of our medical staff. Other than mild symptoms, both Joe and John are doing well. They will continue to work from home in self-isolation and participate in virtual meetings while their health is monitored. Based on a review of contact tracing data with the league, we are confident these cases originated independently outside the team facilities. There were minimal close contacts identified from each, no players or coaches, and those individuals have been notified. While our facilities are closed for election day, coaches are conducting their game preparations today remotely as a precaution. Our organization will remain in communication with the NFL, making all decisions in consultation with the league and based on guidance from medical experts. So while both John and Joe Ellis tested positive, I think the one thing that we can say from the beginning of this is that the Broncos and Vic Fangio in particular have taken this seriously. Vic Fangio in particular, because his daughter as a nurse, tested for positive for COVID-19, I believe. So he has taken a very serious approach to this. And I think that's basically the most important takeaway from this is that while there are some out there who may think that this may lead to possible cases amongst the players, since Graham Glasgow tested positive over the weekend and he, was not, he didn't play on Sunday against the Chargers, this is I think showing how seriously the organization itself is taking it.
1: And that's really all you can ask for at this point is that they take it seriously. And again, like we said, uh, making sure that everybody is healthy and safe and that's, that's really all we're concerned about. Uh, And I'm sure that they will be, and I'm sure that uh, this won't impact much when it, when the Broncos sort of move forward uh, and get ready to take on the Falcons. So, Uh, You know, that that's that's really where we're at. And obviously, this is kind of a big week for the Denver Broncos, not necessarily because it's the Falcons, because it's the Falcons. I don't There's no real um, rivalry there. It's not a big time historical matchup, but it is coming off of what what I would call a pretty big moment uh, for the Denver Broncos this season and potentially a historical moment for the Broncos. All depending on how things play out over the course of the rest of the season and the course of maybe the next couple of seasons. But obviously uh, that win against the Chargers uh, against Los Angeles where uh, Drew Locke struggled for essentially three quarters of football uh, and the offense couldn't really make anything happen. And the defense uh, was doing everything that they could, but obviously Uh, you can only do so much. And then all of a sudden, right? The, the big turnaround. I mean, I predicted three touchdowns for the Broncos and they gave us four. So that ain't so bad, but now you've got this game coming up where everybody is feeling euphoric, but also everybody is analyzing this to death. And I think the real question just becomes, can they capitalize on this? Can they build on this win or does it, do they kind of fall back into um, – what's the word I'm looking for here? It's not even mediocrity because I wouldn't even be able to call the offense prior to that last quarter mediocre. So do they just fall back into their old ways?
0: I think it's going to be incredibly interesting because I, we talked about how last week was the fork in the road for this team. What do they do? They have lost great games or they lost games against great teams the the Titans, the Steelers, the, the Buccaneers and the Chiefs. What did they look like against a team that's more in tune with what the Broncos are like? Well, this is another game where they're going against a team that's more in tune with the Broncos. The Falcons are horrible. They're not a good team. They've already, I mean, they fired Dan Quinn because of all the close games that they've lost because against the Cowboys which is remarkable to me that they lost to the Cowboys because the Cowboys are something, they suck something fierce. The Bears, um, the Lions a couple of weeks ago. So it, it, it's going to be interesting how the Broncos respond to that big win. And it's a big win. When you get a victory like that, and I said it in my Play Colorado preview, it's the fourth largest comeback in franchise history and the largest since Peyton Manning erased a 24-point deficit against San Diego in 2012. It's also the first time and only the second time in franchise history that the Broncos have won on a game-winning or game-tying touchdown as time expired in the fourth quarter or overtime. The last time was when John Elway hit Rod Smith for a 43-yard touchdown against the Washington football team in 1995.
1: Awesome so game they- by the way. Can we talk about how awesome that game was? I'll never forget that touchdown catch. That was that was Rod Smith's like boom, I'm here, I'm Rod Smith moment, right? Was isn't that the that is to me when I think about Rod Smith, I think about two catches. Super Bowl 33 and then that touchdown catch against what was then the Redskins but is now the Washington Football team. Incredible, right? An incredible play that sort of launched his
0: career. Yeah, it was. And So now, what do the Broncos do? Do they build on this? And what we talked about in the post-game recap, where now they take continued strides down this path, where they finally win one of those close games instead of finding ways to lose it? Or do they continue to build and take steps or regress? That's, to me, going to be the interesting development from this game. And I'm curious to see what Drew Locke and the Broncos do. And we didn't talk about this before we started recording in our rundown. But I'm bothered by the fact that Shelby Harris and Mike Purcell and some of these Broncos have a problem with being booed. The best way to not be booed is to not suck. And the Broncos were sucking for the first three and a half quarters against the Chargers. You don't want to be booed? Do your job better. Don't put the organization through five years of suck, which is what you guys have been doing for five years. This isn't like we they, they were booing Peyton Manning. They were booing an offense and a team that has sucked for five years, and they were frustrated, and they have a right to voice that frustration.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really good point. In fact, I'll take it a step further. Don't be so sensitive that you can't handle a little bit of booing. But I think that this comes more, and Shelby Harris and Mike Purcell are going to get into their their arguments with people on Twitter and whatnot. And that's fine, whatever. And I get that they want their fans, they want the fans of their franchise to come out and support them. And and your point is is well made that if you want us to support you. Don't be terrible at your job. That's kind of the idea. That's what sports is. You're good at your job. We cheer and we're happy. You're bad at your job. We boo and we're upset. That's sorry. That's how it works. But I do think this is coming from, and and you can correct me if you think I'm wrong on this. I think this is coming from the organization saying to their players, look at, look at they're booing you. Those are your fans. They're booing you. Can you believe they're doing that? Like they're kind of egging this on a little bit. Right. I do kind of get that that feeling from all of the things that I've seen on Twitter and in you know in other social media aspects and whatnot. I'm mostly on Twitter, so it's fine. And it, it does feel like the Broncos themselves as an organization are, are sort of playing this up. Right. They're the ones who decided this is this is the chip we're going to put on our shoulder moving forward, that our own fans are mad at us and are booing us. Of course, we're booing you. Did you see that football? What did they have? Two rushing yards at halftime? Two rushing yards at halftime. And the Broncos fans are not supposed to show they're they're displeased with that. What did they have? 60 total offensive yards? I I mean, what should they have done? Come on, guys. It's going to be okay. You can do it. We love you. We believe. No, get out of here with that. Get your act together and play better. And then I'll cheer for you. Or... Continue to play badly, and I will hope that you're gone at some point. Now, that being said, I love Shelby Harris. I, I really like Mike Purcell. I, I, I love the defense. I love the players on the defense. I'm excited about Drew Locke. I'm excited about Philip Lindsay. I got all kinds of excitement coming out my ears. But don't tell me how to feel after you've played so badly for an entire half of football that I'm literally saying to myself, I hate watching this team. Because that's what people were doing. They were saying, I hate watching this team. No wonder you got booed. Don't be a baby about it. Accept it. Say, yeah, we played horrible. We, we deserve to be booed. I'm glad we were able to come out and turn it around. Hey, you, I guarantee they cheered for you at the end because you won because you turned it around and played better. Should they not have cheered at that point? Should they have just continued to boo? Like, get out of here with this the whining and complaining. I get it. I think, I do. I think that the Broncos are like, hey, chip on your shoulder now. They they don't believe in you. Give us something to believe in. We'll
0: cheer for you. Promise. I promise. What would be interesting is if you had Pat Bolin in that situation. I guarantee you, after five years of watching this, Pat Bolin probably would have booed too. Probably. So, Miss me with that BS. Play better. Do your job better. Win games. It's that simple. Congratulations. You won a close game. You came back from 24 to 3 down. You finally proved you could be on the field against another team. Congratulations. Now go out and do it again. This Maybe isn't play a whole platitudes. game. This isn't about platitudes. This isn't about – I want to get acknowledgement for the good job I do, even though we're not really doing a good job. This organization is better than that. It used to be better than that. Five years of this kind of horribleness is unacceptable, and fans have every right to voice that frustration and to show and tell the players about it. Now, you don't cross the line. You don't get in their face and flip them off and throw stuff at them which the fans didn't do. They voiced their displeasure and frustration of 5 years of this. Which leads into what we've been talking about. What do they do now? Do they view the fa- do they take the fans as their inspiration, which seems silly to me? Why not take the way that you responded in a close game to win? Forget why or how it led to it. Take the fact that you actually did it and build on that instead of finding silly ways to motivate you. Or, or stop
1: picking fights with people on Twitter. Like get off Twitter. What are you doing? Go go, stop it. Just stop it. And, and I think the the most frustrating part of this, and at least for me, when I saw that was I like Shelby Harris. I like Shelby Harris a lot. And, that's a, that is a that is a player who I hope the Broncos sign long-term. I hope they bring him back for I mean, he he's earned it. He deserves it, and he's earned it. I don't know that John Elway will sign him to a long-term deal. I have no idea what they're going to do with all of these free agents and whatnot. There's a lot going on in Broncos country when it comes to those kinds of deals. I have no idea. But to see Shelby Harris interact with people and complain about the fact that people were booing the Denver Broncos. It's so petty and small. And quite frankly, it's really easy for someone who is potentially not even going to be around next year to pick those fights and then and then kind of move on. I'm sorry. I'm stuck here in Broncos country. This is where I was born and raised. I don't get to just leave. That's my team. So for every player that comes through, and I generally side with the players when it comes to things like contract disputes and, and union issues. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a player guy when it comes to that. But for every player that comes through Denver, they're just passing through. They, they are welcome back at any time. We love our former Broncos. We are, uh, I would say, as a franchise, one of those franchises that guys like to stay attached to. Because of the fan base, because of the beauty of Colorado, because of the way that the Bolins, Pat Bolin in particular, set up his franchise to be successful. So as a fan, I I can honestly tell you, we're we're proud of those Bronco alums, right? We're happy to have them back. But don't give me this, oh, boo-hoo, you booed me. Uh, You're leaving. You're going to be gone. I have to live with this. I have to be here. And I have been here and and have always been here. You didn't grow up with this. So so don't give me that because you're going to go away someday. And that's fine. And I will always welcome you back, but you are going away someday. Right? I mean, there are some who haven't forgiven Lyle Alzado. Maybe I shouldn't bring him up. But even we have, I mean, even we still say, you know, Lyle Alzado is a, a great Denver Bronco and deserves to be in the ring of fame. So, you know. If we can still love Lyle Alzado and he played for the Raiders, I, I mean, we could we can keep – I love Chris Harris Jr. He play, he plays for the Chargers now. Still love him. Just not on Sundays if he ever gets on the field, which is a struggle for him right now. I'm, I'm rooting for him just now when he plays the Broncos. And that's what I'll do with Shelby Harris when he's no longer with the Broncos. It's what I do with Derek Wolfe, who's no longer with the Broncos. But you are leaving. You are leaving at some point. We're staying. It's our team. Just remember that.
0: I, I think this is a good portion. To move
1: on. <laughs> so, woo, sorry, got a little, a little ranty there. Ranty's a word. All right. So do they we got it off our chest? <laughs> we, did, we did. All right. So let's see if we can answer the question: Are they? Are they capable of capitalizing on this? Can they make it work? Maybe we save that for a little later with our predictions and whatnot.
0: But do you think, see it? I think it depends on how they how they start the game. I, it, to me, that's the key. It's putting it together for 60 minutes now, and that's cliche, but it's the truth. Can they start doing it for a complete game? Instead of having flashes, can they do it for the full 60 minutes? And how they start will let us know.
1: That's a really good point. You know, the the other thing that I think is going to be interesting for as as garbage as we say that Atlanta is because they are bad this year. There's there's no doubt about it. They're actually an incredibly talented football team. I mean, I I know that Matt Ryan has his detractors and he certainly has earned them, but there is, there is a lot of talent. I mean, you're going to have to contend with Julio Jones. You're going to have to contend with, with, with Todd Gurley, who has played pretty well, except for, you know, accidentally scoring a touchdown against the lions. Like, (laughs) oops, sorry. But, there, there is a lot of firepower on that offense and there is potential there for the Falcons to come out and score a lot of points and make this difficult. So I think you're right. I think it's going to be important to see how they start out and if they can kind of execute their game plan on offense in particular. And we'll talk more about that, but obviously that's going to be the, you know, a big part of what they do, whether they're going to capitalize or not is going to depend on how well they can actually take what they did at the end of the game against the chargers and translate it to a full game because again, it's about playing a full sixty minutes. We can't have this Tim Tebow awfulness for the first fifty-five minutes and then the last five minutes of the game everything turns around. I mean, that's that's not good for a franchise, and it's not you know it's not conducive to winning a lot of games, quite frankly. Which is is is
0: fine. It's fun, but it's it's like my ticker can't take it. I just I, I want to say that they can. But I'm skeptical because this is still a young team. This is still a team that is still learning how to win and play the game of football. So I want to say yes, but I'm holding out. And to me, we can get into our keys to the game. To me, my key to the game is to feed Philip Lindsay, give him the football, and keep him on the field. I get that Pat Shermer has an infatuation with Melvin Gordon. And I think Melvin Gordon has his role on this team. But clearly the offense is better when Philip Lindsay is on the field. And they need to find ways to get him on the field more than they did, especially against the Chargers.
1: I mean, insane how little they used him. I actually, my key to the game sort of runs into your key to the game. And it's just got to be a better offensive game plan all around. Uh, I think that um, over the course of the last couple of weeks, if you – uh, pay attention to, um, I don't know, pro, uh, pro football focus. Uh, George Sharuri was on uh, with with Ryan and Ben and talked about this. If you pay attention to just watching the games in general, one of the things that, that you find out is that Drew Locke finds a lot more success in certain types of plays. So they're very good at play action. They're very good when they're running two and three tight ends rather than three wide receiver sets. So to me, it's got to be about, making Drew Locke more successful by putting him in a position to be more successful by running offensive game an offensive game plan that utilizes his strengths. I think that Pat Shermer has tried to, and we've talked about this a lot in the past. uh, Pat Shermer has tried to sort of fit a square peg into a round hole here with, with Drew Locke. And a lot of coaches do that. We've, we've complained about this a lot with coaches sort of taking players and not necessarily playing to their strengths. If you want to capitalize on Drew Locke's talents, then you need to do the things that are going to make him better. I think feeding Philip Lindsay is a huge part of that, right? The running game has to be successful, and so far this year, it's been most successful when Philip Lindsay has been your lead back. And I know that you're not paying him like the lead back, but that's that doesn't matter. He's running like your lead back. Utilize him more in the offense. Get two tight ends out there. Run Noah Fant and Alberto as often as possible together so that you can have those security blankets. And that is going to give Drew Locke the opportunity to be more successful on offense. Running those play actions as well, those are the kinds of things that I think make this team better. And it's it's proven over time that this offense is better when they do play action, when they run two tight ends, even three tight ends, versus no play action and three wide receiver sets. I'm just saying, that's that's what
0: I think needs to happen there. And as I mentioned earlier, I'm going to add another one. Start fast. Whether it's offensively or defensively, the team needs to start fast. If the Broncos start on defense first, force a three and out, even better. Get a turnover. Put your offense in prime position to get the first points in the game to score first. Play from ahead for a change instead of trying to catch up which it seems like this team has been doing for five years, play with a lead, start to give yourself an advantage, increase the likelihood for success. And the way you do that is by starting stronger. So I would love to see them really come out from the get-go, ready to go. And I, I, I get it, that's cliche, every team wants to do it. But the way they ended that game, and for all the talk that we just talked that we just mentioned, put it all together, and play a sixty-minute football game. Yeah, do that for
1: sixty minutes. It'll be cool. It'd be really cool if they could do that for sixty minutes. If they did that for sixty minutes, they'd score like fifty-five points. That would be the most feared offense in the NFL. So you know, and yes, I know they did it against a, a, a Chargers team that lost Joey Bosa. Okay, I, I mean, I get it. Joey Bosa wasn't there. Fine. But they still had to do it, and they still had to execute. And they can if they can do that against a bad Falcons team, then they should be able to win. All right, players to watch. Let's go ahead and jump into players to watch. Uh, let's start. You want to start on? Let's start on defense. Let's go ahead and start on defense. I'm going to go with the
0: middle linebackers because it, it, I, I think they're going to end up playing a key role in this game because a lot of the focus is going to be on Julio Jones. So. Let's see how Matt Ryan attacks the middle of the field because this is still an effective offense. They can still move the ball, and they can score points. So I think the middle linebackers, Josie Jewell and Alexander Johnson, are going to play a big role in helping stop the running game because the Chargers ran for over 200 yards on Sunday. So that, that part of the defense needs to get better, and the, and the middle linebackers play a big role in that but also the coverage of the middle of the field.
1: Yeah, I'm going to actually piggyback off that a little bit, and I'm going to go with Justin Simmons and Kareem Jackson. I think that uh, they are – and we've talked about tone setters in the past here. When, when we talk about tone setters, you know, a key to leave is somebody who pops into my mind as a tone setter. Uh, Kareem Jackson has become the, the tone setter. The way he was just absolutely destroying people against the Chargers was – it was fun to watch. But then on top of that – Justin Simmons is out there making plays and really actually set the Broncos up with that, his interception, to give them the opportunity to maybe jump out to a big lead and kind of, you know, go for it from there. And things kind of faltered at that point. But those two guys, I think, really set the tone for the defense in a way that you you can't really, you know, Simmons is more of the leadership, uh, vocal guy who's going to make a big play. Kareem Jackson is going to hit somebody and make the whole stadium shake, which is great. So those two guys are the guys I want to watch. The other one I'm going to throw in there just as a sort of a uh, an, a bonus watch is Shelby Harris. We've talked a lot about him today. And you you jumped on social media and you you complained about being booed. And you made sure that, that we as the fans knew that you didn't like that. And so... I'm gonna to watch to see if Shelby Harris, who has been good this year, so I have no doubt that he will. But I'm gonna to watch to see if Shelby Harris can put his his mark on this game, knock down a few balls, get to Matt Ryan a little bit. It's not like he's mobile. Get that push up the middle. Can Shelby Harris prove the doubters wrong? Because that seems to be what he wants to do. So here, here, we'll, we'll doubt you now. Go prove us wrong, as that's that's kind of what I'm, I guess I'm a little bit. Maybe I'm a little madder at Shelby Harris than I thought. <laughs> Just a little.
0: On offense, I'm going with Philip Lindsay, and tie it into that Pat Shermer to see if he is going to continue this trend of not getting the heart and soul of the offense on the field. So to me, it's Philip Lindsey. And then, I guess a little bit below that is the interior of the offensive line. Is Graham Glasgow able to go, or is he going to have to to wait another week? So the interior of the offensive line is going to be big. I thought they played played better, especially in the fourth quarter. So let's see how that plays in. But to me, it's Philip Lindsay because he is the heart and soul of the offense. And I want to see him on the field. And I think most people listening to this and watching the Broncos would as well.
1: Yeah, there's no doubt that Philip Lindsay is the heart and soul of this team, uh, especially on offense. So, yeah, I'm with you on that. I'm going to go with two. I'm going to cheat again. Uh, first of all, Drew Locke, obviously. I mean, it is Drew Locke, right? It's it's That's what this whole season is about. And uh, we had to put that on hold a little bit as fans because he got injured and we didn't get to watch him perform. And now he's out there. He's on the field. And we saw two different players on Sunday against the Chargers. We saw a Drew Locke that – uh, couldn't get off of his first read. That seemed sort of incapable of running the offense. Was a little bit inept. A little bit like he he didn't know where, to, where he was or what he was doing. It was it was very confusing to watch that uh, because it was just bad. It was just bad quarterback play. And then we also saw the Drew Lock that is cocky, has a bunch of swagger, makes some really good throws because he's got great arm talent. Uh, and and that's what I want to see. Is he gonna be? Is he gonna regress back to who he was in the first three quarters? Or is he going to improve upon who he was in the fourth quarter? Because that's really what you have to see at this point. I, I am still, uh, and I have to keep talking myself into it, but I am still going to be patient with Drew Locke because I do think that if he's on anybody's trajectory as far as quarterbacking goes, it's not Patrick Mahomes. It's not Lamar Jackson. It's not these, you know, it's not Kyler Murray. Like, get, get all that out of your head. It's more Josh Allen who... Again, you and I have talked about Josh Allen. We were not big fans of him coming out of college, but he has seemed to uh, adapt to the NFL and is finding success. And if Drew Lock can be on that trajectory, that might not be so bad. And so I'm, I'm going to try and be a little bit more patient with that. And then the other player is Garrett Bowles. Garrett Bowles, who has been very, very good, and some people would say the best left tackle in the NFL this year, which is, I know, what? it's a huge shock. On Sunday against the Chargers, he wasn't. He was 2019, 18, 17 Garrett Bowles. Uh, so, you know, up until the end of the game where he turned things around, can he sort of stay uh, in his 2020 mode? Because he has also been a guy who we looked at as a, a problem, a bit of a pariah, someone who needed to be sent away. And now I think he's proved that he's he's going to need to get a nice contract from somebody he's a pretty good offensive lineman i i know i'm shocked that i said it too it's fine go with me on it uh but he's he's another one who i think you gotta you gotta pay attention to what Garrett Bowles does
0: so what's your prediction for the game
1: <laughs> oh my god i don't know <laughs> that's that's literally where i'm at with this game because the, the broncos have been so all over the place. I'm I'm not going to predict a, a huge win or a huge loss one way or the other. Uh, I think I am going to predict a win though. Uh, and I'm going to I'm going to write down a score here. I'm going to go with 27
0: to 16. I
1: think the defense steps up. 27-16 Denver. Why not? That sounds that sounds right.
0: What's fascinating about this for anyone who bets on the Broncos or is just a fan, The Broncos enter this game as a four point underdog, which is fascinating to me. The Falcons are two and six. They're not very good. The other interesting aspect of this is the Broncos are five and two against the spread. So at least they have a winning record somewhere. (laughs) You got to win somewhere, right?
1: Even if it doesn't count, you still got to win somewhere. I'm going to go with the Broncos 31 24. Wow. 31 points again. That's two weeks in a row that they would score 30 points. That's That's a heck of a prediction. That's a heck of a prediction. I like it. I like it. I like that prediction. All right. Those are good predictions. Let's do this. Let's uh, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll do our whip around the league, look at the AFC West, and we'll kind of go from there. This episode is made possible by PWC. When unprecedented times are all the time, It's time to start walking the talk. Leaders like you turn to PWC to see and stay ahead. Upskill your workforce, use intelligent automation, and transform big ideas into breakthrough outcomes. Explore the human-led, tech-powered solutions that help you thrive. It's all part of the new equation. Learn more at thenewequation.com. All right, we're back. Let's do a a, a little bit of... uh, Looking around the league. Let's start with the AFC West like we always do. Uh, Ian, first thing that pops out, Chiefs play the Panthers. Uh, that's a win for the Chiefs. I don't think that there's really any question about that. Uh, also, no. I have to apologize. I think I've been saying week eight this whole show. Uh, it's week nine. You know, get your act together, Malnati. What are you doing? So, yeah, week nine for the for the NFL, not week eight. I'm just, just tired, I guess. I don't know what to tell you.
0: And then Raiders-Chargers. I, I'm curious to see how the Chargers respond to another choke job that sees them win a game that they were leading by at least 16 points. Um, I'd like to see the, the, the Chargers get a win over the Raiders. They were able, The Raiders were able to go into Cleveland and get a win over the Browns last Sunday. So I'm, I, it, it would be nice to see the, the Dolts get a win over the Raiders on Sunday.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. I, I know the autumn wind is a Raider, but let's let's just hope that you know the results is for the Chargers. I just I, you know I can't root for the Raiders, never have, never will. So there's that. Um, I, I think they can. I think the key for the Chargers though is to just not get up to like a 16 point lead. Like if they just you know keep it at like 10, maybe that'll help for them. But don't get too crazy. It's the only thing I can
0: think for them. Oh my gosh!
1: All right, are there any other games that you feel like you have to tune in and
0: watch? I'm curious to see how the Dolphins do against the Cardinals. I think the Dolphins have been the surprise team of the National Football League at this point. They have a 4 and 3 record. They just went uh, they they just hosted the Rams and beat them soundly in Tua Tagovailoa's first game as an NFL quarterback. So I'm curious to see how the how the Dolphins do on the road against the Cardinals. A go- actually a good Cardinals team as well,
1: 5 and 2. Cardinals team that is also competing in that NFC West, uh, which I think is is another, you know, with another young quarterback in Kyler Murray that um, this it definitely is going to be um, uh, that's going to be a fun game and interesting game. Another one that I think is going to be really fascinating on Sunday uh, is the Seahawks and the Bills. Uh, We've talked a lot about um, about Josh Allen on this on this podcast, just because we have always been sort of against Josh Allen and now we're we're kind of having to eat a little bit of crow at times. And I think this is the type of game they're at home against a really good Seahawks team. Can they can they pull out a win? Are they are they really part of the big boy club? Or is the AFC East just a, a really weak division? Um, that Bill Belichick and the Patriots have capitalized on for years and now they are being capitalized upon. So that'll be an interesting one to watch. Just from that particular perspective, and the other one that sort of kicked me in the teeth a little bit here, uh, just because I happen to be looking at it, the Baltimore Ravens and the and the Indianapolis Colts are both five and two. Um, the Colts used to be in Baltimore. Now the Baltimore Ravens are in Baltimore, so that's there's history there. But then also, just this a five and two record for both teams. I I did not realize that the Colts were five and two. That sort of I, I looked at that and went. Oh my gosh, I forgot. So that might also be kind of an interesting game to watch just, you know, to have something on, although we're going to be watching the Bronco game at noon. So I guess it doesn't really matter.
0: A couple other things I'm looking at is how bad do the Steelers beat the Cowboys? (laughs) And then New Orleans, Tampa, I think that has the potential to be a strong game. And then the other thing to keep an eye on is the Titans. They just got beat by the Cincinnati Bengals. So what do the Titans do in response to that Chargers-esque choke job?
1: Yeah, they definitely, um, they definitely choked that one away. And then what's nice about this uh, this week, the NFL gave everybody the night off on Monday because it's Patriots-Jets. So you don't have to watch that crap. You can, uh, you can do something else if you want.
0: You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com. And as always, go Broncos.